It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on the Washington football team with the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I am Dave Harrison, writer for SI.com's Fan Nation. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst show on the Team 980 Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern and on the Odyssey app. We thank you all for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. We are free, we are available, and we are on Twitter at WrestleMania621, at DHarrison82, and at Locked WFT Pod. Again, thank you for making this show your first listen every day. On this episode, we're going to look a little at a little bit of what happened around the NFC East, and we're going to get into some midseason awards superlative type of conversations because, Chris, it's officially Tampa Bay Buccaneers week, but we still have kind of an open episode because there was no game played by Washington on Sunday. And then, of course, you and I haven't really talked for about a week as, as far as show uh, format is concerned. So how you been? And uh, <laughs> let's kick off the conversation with what we saw around the NFC East on Sunday. Yeah, we've both been, uh, you know, uh, Traveling all over the place, taking a little bit of advantage uh, of the bye week, but good to be with you. Um, yeah, no doubt about it. Two and six, of course, at the bye is not where anybody wanted them to uh, be. And of course, they host the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, pretty much nobody expects them uh, to win that game. BetOnline.ag, uh, our partner, had uh, the Bucks opening up as nine point favorites uh, late on Sunday night. So we'll see how. Line, uh, that line moves. But, you know, uh, Sunday around the NFC East, David, was a little bit surprising. I, I mean, I don't know how many people are shocked that the Eagles lost a tight one uh, to the Chargers at home. They dropped to three and six. The Cowboys, of course, that's the shocker, losing yeah. and losing badly to the Denver Broncos. Now, I said on my radio show on Friday evening that the way the NFL works, I said, no Von Miller, nobody, mm-hmm. the Cowboys, uh, the Broncos a chance, you know, in Dallas, all of that, I said, don't be surprised if the Broncos run the ball well and keep this game close. Now, I did not pick them to win. I said, I would definitely pick them to cover whatever the final number was and to keep it close. And instead, they got out to a 30 to nothing lead Mm. and they kicked the Cowboys butt, for lack of a better term, in every possible way. Don't let the final score uh, even remotely con- confuse you because that was all garbage time points late by the Cowboys. It was a complete manhandling by the Denver Broncos who may have just proven the script of how to beat this resurgent Cowboy team, right? Mm-hmm. Them into fourth down situations. Dak didn't handle that well. Ezekiel Elliott was obviously banged up. And on defense, this resurgent Cowboys pick on Trayvon Diggs, uh, he's going to get some interceptions, but you can beat him. Teams have been doing it all year. And mm-hmm. Patrick did yesterday for the Broncos. And then on top of that, break their will. Keep running downhill. Keep forcing them to tackle and wear them out. Big loss for the yeah. Cowboys to drop to six and two. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, and you just, you just nailed on or hit the nail right on the head. Don't come in and give the Dallas Cowboys 
anything that they haven't earned. Like, don't come in here and have reverence for, quote, unquote, America's team, the resurgent Dallas Cowboys, the return of Dak Prescott. Don't come in here and play this team like they are some sort of giant, some sort of schoolyard bully that needs to be, you know, whittled away. Come out there and be aggressive. Come out there and be the aggressor. That's what the Denver Broncos did, and they stuck to what they did well, and they found something that worked, and they stuck to what worked. And and a lot of questions now floating around uh, in Cowboys country. A lot of Cowboys people were saying that, you know, they were going to be one of the best in the NFC and they were going to compete with the Buccaneers. And everybody was just talking Bucks and Packers. And it turns out they also need to count for the Cowboys. And now all of a sudden there's a lot of question marks. And that just kind of goes to show you any given Sunday. Right. The cliche is absolutely true, because remember, this is a Denver Broncos team that just last weekend. The question was, are they going to have their quote unquote get right game against the Washington football team? Or is the Washington football team going to have their get right game? against the Denver Broncos, two teams that have been struggling all year. And it turns out the Denver Broncos needed the Dallas Cowboys for their get-right game. Right. That's their get-right game is Dallas Cowboys. And, oh, by the way, let's send Von Miller to Los Angeles. That's how you fix the Denver Broncos. Obviously, that's not going to be the total story here. But like you said, it shows teams in the NFL now, and it takes a little bit of that luster off what the Dallas Cowboys have been able to do. Because even their first loss against the Buccaneers, like they lost that game. But a lot of people came out of that game very impressed with what the Dallas Cowboys did. So from a moral standpoint or a morale standpoint, uh, it was a moral victory, right? And right. those don't count in the stat box, but a lot of people gave the Cowboys a lot of credit for what they did there. This kind of takes a little bit of that away and shows other teams like the Washington football team. This is a winnable game. We've had this conversation before. The Packers, the Chiefs, the Saints, these are winnable games. You just have to go out there and execute properly and, and take advantage of their weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. And we realize and we keep in perspective, everybody out there, that the Washington football team is two and six. And essentially nothing really matters other than draft pick status at this point to any fans. That's not how this team is going to operate. And that is going to infuriate a lot of the fan base. We're going to get into that on another episode and so on and so forth, you know, um, but that is going to infuriate a lot of the fan base. Um, But at two and six and, you know, one team we didn't really address was the Giants beating the Raiders at home to go to Mm -hmm. six. Now, a lot of people think that's an upset. I mean, I think considering the Henry Ruggs, a horrible, horrible tragedy and situation and uh, uh, just God awfulness. Uh, happened there. I wasn't as surprised that the Giants won that game to go to three and six. But right now, as we speak, um, you know, after this week, week, uh, uh, you know, week nine of the NFL, the Washington football team is in last place by themselves with the Giants at three and six, the Cowboys at six and two, the Eagles at three and six. Uh, I should say the Eagles and Giants grouped at three and six. And that you know, factors into draft pick status that affects into uh, divisions, you know, because Ron Rivera, David, is not going to get to the podium at any point this week and be like, guys, we're playing for the draft. No, no, no. They're still playing. I I mean, it's going to infuriate fans, but they are still going to play as if they have a chance to make the playoffs, period. And I wonder kind of like, did the Eagles loss help or hurt the WFT? And I think most fans would say, no, no, no. It hurt them. Actually, the way they're going to view it is it helped them because it kept the Eagles or it moved the Eagles to four and six. I'm sorry, three and six instead of four and six. Yeah, absolutely. From from an organizational standpoint, you know, in the Washington football team. And like you said, we're going to dive deeper into that topic uh, here in a little while for our, our next episode. But from an organizational standpoint, the Dallas Cowboys, the top of the division, they lost. They stay a pe- they stay a peg back. 
the Philadelphia Eagles lost. They stay a peg back. The New York Giants, they win. So obviously you're not happy about that. But guess what? You know you can beat the New York Giants. Why? Because you've already done it. And, and you kind of know who, what to expect with them. So when you're looking at this, this schedule and you're looking at these teams, you go, oh, man, we just, we just gained a lot of study material against the top dog. We just gained a lot of study material against the other guys that are kind of ahead. And, and really, without playing a game, they've actually gained some ground in the NFC East. So it's, it's been a successful bye week for the Washington football team. Obviously, one, hopefully getting a little bit healthier. Uh, the guys who have been active still you know, mending a little bit. Guys like Antonio Gibson resting that shin and, and all those things. Uh, and then getting one step closer to maybe the return to fight Ryan Fitzpatrick, which again is, is another conversation for another time. But yeah, a successful weekend for the Washington football team. You have to be happy if you're Ron Rivera, Jason Wright, and everybody else. No doubt about it. And uh, of course, we should point out that the team, of course, on bye, they're having an extra practice uh, on Monday afternoon. It'll be a light workout, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, and, um, you know, don't expect there will be no official injury report. I will get some idea of who was out on the field and who might be ready to go out of the bye. Again, I would expect Logan Thomas to play this Sunday mm -hmm. against the Buccaneers. I would think Brandon Sheriff is going to be back. Don't know about Sam Cosby. So again, we'll get more updates. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to play at all this Sunday. And I don't, the yeah. sense that I have, David, is Ryan Fitzpatrick's not even close. Uh, as a matter of fact, he wasn't even scheduled to have the MRI until early this week, possibly Monday, Tuesday. We'll see. Uh, but even if he passes it with flying colors and he's cleared and ready to go, there's no chance he's going to play after missing the last eight weeks on three weeks of practice. You just don't do that at quarterback. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to play at least until the Carolina road game. And I would even say that might be aggressive. Yeah, that'd be a stretch too. No doubt about it. All right, along with David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. When we return, we are going to give our mid-season MVPs for the WFT. I know it's slim pickings, but also most improved on both sides of the ball and more. Stay with us right here. Guys, does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. I know I was doing that all during the bye week. And you've got your neighbor's best friend login uh, for the good stuff. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and it's a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter, the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
And thanks for making the Locked On Washington football team your first uh, podcast, your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Along with David Harrison, you can follow him uh, at dharrison82, me at WrestleMania61, the pod, at LockedWFTPod, as we're getting ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington football team this Sunday at 1 o'clock. David, time to take a little look back uh, obviously at the first eight games nobody would have expected wanted a two and six record but here we are and it's not everyone's fault so thought you came up with this idea certainly makes sense at essentially the midway point I know there's nine games left because of the wacky 17 game schedule to do a mid-season MVP so I wanted to tee you up for who your mid-season MVP would be yeah, and, and it's rough, you know, picking MVPs and all that stuff on a two and sixteen. But again, there there have been some bright spots uh, on this roster and on this team throughout the season. So we wanted to at least at least acknowledge some of the good that could hint towards a better second half and maybe a maybe a better future for the Washington football team or whatever they're called this time next year. Uh, my MVP is going to be Terry McLaurin. And I think that's you know as low hanging fruit, but again, like you kind of said, it's slim pickings on this team right now, right? But Terry uh, again continues to be one of the more underrated wide receivers, one of the better contributors and producer uh, producers in the NFL, especially when you, you know, they like to say pound for pound fighters and all that stuff. Well, if you put a lot of wide receivers in the position that Terry McLaurin has been in for, for the beginning of his career, uh, a lot of wide receivers are going to flounder. They're going to fail. They're not going to do well. You kind of look at a guy like Allen Robinson with the Chicago bears starting off with Jacksonville, then going through like he, Terry reminds me a lot of Allen Robinson. And I really hope for Terry's sake he doesn't continue to go through it out like Allen Robinson's playing with like his, I don't know, his 15th different quarterback and like his third rookie quarterback in his career or something like that. So hopefully Terry's quarterback situation gets stabilized and figured out a little earlier than obviously Allen Robinson's has, because it still technically hasn't. Um, but Terry McLaurin's got to be the MVP here. And honestly, a little bit of a preview for the off season, Allen Robinson franchise tag this year doesn't, you know, the, the words on the wins is, is not, you know, very good in there in Chicago with him. So he might be hitting the open market in like next year, not saying Washington will go all out for him, but I mean, you pair a guy like Allen Robinson with Terry McLaurin, that's a very dangerous duo uh, for any quarterback. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, again, I don't know how much money they can spend more at that position, considering that this is the first off season that they can give Terry McLaurin an extension and Oh, by the way, they damn well better. No, absolutely. They do it aggressively. And now before Terry gets, um, disenchanted with the direction and, and and obviously considering all the money that they spent on Curtis Samuel. All right. So for my midseason MVP, listen, uh, this was an easy one for me. Uh, I'm sure you would have gone here if I didn't go here. Uh, so I, I, I understand Terry McLaurin. That's my offensive MVP. Uh, but mm-hmm. overall team MVP is by far the highest graded player overall on pro football focus dot uh, com again not that I needed this but I'll throw it out there an 89.9 overall out of 100 for Mr. Jonathan Allen who got the big contract extension and so far is living up to it and then some I mean obviously the leadership role uh, on a bad team is one that's hard to champion and kind of crow about but Jonathan Allen is a leader he's a you know no uh, all business approach uh, it's not his fault why they stink um, certainly I'm sure he could, you know, maybe try and get guys Montez Sweat and Chase Allen to play, uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young to play a little bit better and, and the, the linebackers in the secondary, but Jonathan Allen is responsible mostly for himself, David, and he had 387 snaps in the first eight games. Um, 
And again, the 89.9 rec- grade, what does that tell you? I, I mean, it, it, I mean, it, listen, it tells you what your eyes tell you. He's got a 90.9 grade out of 100 as a pass rusher. He's been a dominant interior force. Think about what Aaron Donald is to the Los Angeles Rams. Aaron Donald's not a great run defender, but he's a great interior pass rush. I'm not saying Jonathan Allen is an Aaron Donald's na- you know, neighborhood or line, but he's not that far off in terms of his production as a pass rusher. So I'm going with Jonathan Allen. Yeah, listen, I mean, consistency is the key, right? So one season doesn't do it, but I mean, the season he's having right now, he's already, I mean, he's two sacks away from his career high. Uh, in a single season already where we still have more than halfway or more than half the games up to play on pace to have 12 or 13 sacks. If he can continue this in his career high previous to this eight. So, I mean, yeah, definitely, obviously a a very, very solid player. And and yeah, I agree with you, the best player on the roster right now. And then we move into our most improved players, Chris. Uh, We got one for offense, one for defense. I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball real quick. I'm going to go Cole Holcomb. And I mean, and honestly, you could say Jonathan Allen in a sense too, right? We just talked about those career, uh, you know, season high numbers. You could almost say Jonathan Allen's the most improved player on defense. But in the in the, in the the effort of getting some other people uh, into the praise part, I'm going to go Cole Holcomb. And again, you guys know, listeners know, Chris, you obviously know this is my first year covering the Washington football team. So I think what's interesting is some of this could be the new eyes. You know what I mean? Like Cole Holcomb, not a name that really sparked a lot of conversation around the NFL. Um, and maybe even right now still doesn't. But as a person who's now just coming into this team, I knew Cole Holcomb's name. I kind of knew who he was. I didn't understand or I didn't expect kind of some of the versatility that I've seen and not the greatest player uh, in the world. But I think from the expectations in preseason, I mean, a lot of conversation around Jamin Davis, a lot of conversation around a lot of defensive players. Cole Holcomb's name never really came up, but he's been one of the more stabilizing features. And I kind of say that cautiously on a very unstable defense leads the, the team in tackles um, and really has, has been one of the better parts of this team. And just going from preseason expectations versus what we've seen, I think he's, he's elevated his game uh, much higher than what people expected from him earlier on. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. And, you know, uh, listen, Cole Holcomb uh, is part of a group that has been heavily, heavily, heavily criticized, but I think, you know, while, you know, again, and, and I want to put everything in, in, in perspective, while his grades and, and numbers on PFF don't tell you the whole story, he's basically yeah. been the lone linebacker at times on this team. I know Landon Collins is playing more in the box now, so they're, they're using more two linebacker packages, but there's been plenty of times where they've used one linebacker and it was Cole Holcomb and basically mm-hmm. he was assigned to the entire middle area of the field. Yeah. I don't think it's fair uh, some of the credit. I'm not saying he's been great. I'm not saying right. he's been great or perfect, uh, but I think he's played certainly better than any other linebacker, number one. And I think he's done what you would expect considering a very, very, very difficult circumstance. All right. I'm going to go real quickly uh, on defense with Tim Settle. He's the second highest graded defender. And again, I didn't just use PFF. I mean, my eyes tell me that Tim Settle is a really good productive player. The problem with Tim Settle, David, is this, like if if he had to play 500 or 600 snaps, I don't know how effective or good he would be. Is he really good only because he's playing, I don't know, 200 snaps a year? 
that's the that's the question that we have. Like if if he was traded to another team or if he signs with another team as a free agent and you ask him again to play five, six hundred snaps, I don't think that's a great idea. Maybe not five, six hundred, but four fifty, somewhere in that range. So I think in Washington, he's a perfect fit because he doesn't have to play, again, those number of snaps. He can play 200, 220, whatever it might be, behind Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and be a force. So to me, I'm going to go Tim Settle on defense, and uh, then I'll switch to my offensive pick. It's Eric Flowers. Now, uh, again, you mentioned this is your first year covering the Washington football team. I was around for Eric Flowers, the first incarnation And Eric Flowers went from tackle to guard and was a surprise at guard to some. He was not a surprise to me because I knew Bill Callahan then really, really, really liked him at guard and had zeroed in on him even in the 2015 draft, the 2016 draft, whatever it was, uh, and and ultimately chose Brandon Shear. I knew he would... I knew he would develop into this role. What I've been impressed by is after a year in Miami where they kind of gave up on him despite bringing him home and playing reasonably well, how dominant he's been at times in run blocking. Eric Flowers mauls people in space, and that's what he was built to do. I think he's been, you know, uh, now, especially with the Chase Roulier season-ending injury, I think he's been their best offensive lineman, uh, second best to Roulier, when Roulier was around. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Flyers. I've been really impressed with Chase Roulier. Uh, and, my, and my offensive most improved player is going to be really kind of in the same vein as, as why Cole Holcomb is the most improved player for me. And it's going to be Sam Cosme on the offensive line again. Going back to training camp preseason, Chris. I mean, we talked on the show. Sam Cosme getting worked. Uh, definitely looked like that second round curse uh, was going to come back to bite this team in the butt. But honestly, the offensive line has been one of the stronger parts of that team. And Sam Cosme... You know, we know he's been out for a little bit, but he's he's been a little bit of a part of that. And again, the grades aren't going to reflect it necessarily. And I'm not saying he's like, you know, a, a franchise cornerstone or keystone moving in the future just yet. But I think that what we expected from Sam versus what we've gotten so far, uh, again, up until he got hurt, was much better um, in, in, the, in the back half of that than, than versus the expectations that were being developed in early August. No doubt about that. We'll come back, wrap up the Locked on Washington football team podcast in just a moment. As we get back from the bye week break, but David, first, Built Bar, as you know, is the best tasting protein bar ever. I had a Built Bar for breakfast. Peanut butter chocolate was the choice. That is my go-to. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. Take it from us. David and I love them. You are not going to believe how good it tastes. They're not chalky, waxy, hard to choke down your throat. A Built Bar is soft-covered, 100% chocolate, and it's so healthy for you. Low in sugar, low in fat, low calorie, low carb, high in protein. Ah, just amazing. So many different flavors, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, cherry bar. See a mint brownie, that's David's favorite. This month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors, guys, every three to four days. So check out their website often at Built.com. And when you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're getting spun up here after the bye week. Five episodes dropping for you this week but you know what betonline.ag has been there every single day even while chris and i took a little bit of advantage of the bye week with their new web interface for the start of the basketball season even more props odds and lines than ever before betonline.ag is still the number one spot for basketball or football action this season head over to the new website sign up today and if you haven't already made your first deposit when you do use a promo code locked on you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus on that first deposit if it's not basketball or football if you're looking for nhl 
boxing, UFC, your favorite favorite Vegas casino games. Baseball will be back before you know it. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Wrapping up this episode of the Lockdown Washington Football Team Podcast, your first episode for the week. A little bit late. Sorry about that, guys. Because of the bye week, had to kind of shift schedules around a little bit. But Chris and I are back for five days a week starting this week and through the remainder of the season. And Chris, we uh, speaking of the remainder of the season, let's finish off today's episode with our player from each side of the ball that has to step it up in the back half of the season in order for this Washington football team to have any success. And again, we know some fans are out there already saying, we don't want more success. We don't want these guys to step up. So maybe you're looking at this as these are the guys who you don't want to see getting better uh, because of that reason. But for whatever it is, for the Washington football team to put, put more ticks in the win column, Versus the last column, who is your who are your guys that need to step up in these final nine games? I'm going to go with on offense, Curtis Samuel. Uh, Ron Rivera kept saying he was close to returning. We'll see what happens practice this week. I would think that he might be available this Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, we will see. But uh, if you're looking at you know this offense having really any kind of chance with Logan Thomas expected to come back, with Brandon Sheriff expected to come back, if they can get Curtis Samuel back, it makes Terry McLaurin's job so much easier. Remember the one game that Curtis Samuel played? Well, he played too much. He had three big first down catches. So I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel, little gadget weapon out of the backfield. If they can work in some of that as he gets healthier and stronger, along with DeAndre Carter's emergence, uh, it really kind of maybe reduces the reliance on Terry McLaurin to be your first and only step. So I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. I'm I'm sorry, Curtis Samuel on offense and defense. I'm just going to go with Chase Young. Ron Rivera kind of criticized uh, to Michael Silver, who is a Washington football team correspondent, longtime veteran reporter. He criticized Chase Young specifically and a little bit Montez Sweat, who we know is out for several weeks with a fractured jaw. Chase Young absolutely needs to step it up, uh, be a little bit less improvisational and be more structured in terms of what they are asking you to do. Yeah, trust the process, right? You're not in college anymore. You can't win with just raw athleticism. There's technique and there's things that set up uh, to make you successful in the National Football League. And that's that's sometimes that's the hardest lesson for some of these young guys who have just been winning with raw talent for so many years uh, to understand. So, uh, you know, kudos to the head coach for calling out one of his, his more popular, popular players. Cause that's, that's always going to be uh, incredibly, incredibly important. You're going to find out just how resilient Chase Young is and how much of a leader he really is because of those types of things. And on defense, I'll stick there. I'm going landing Collins. And I know I've been on kind of a landing Collins uh, tip, you know, all, all season long, really it's been criticism first and then been a little bit of praise here on the back end as he's gotten better in that linebacker role. Again, we've only seen two games here, but the thing is, Landon Collins doesn't cover very well for a strong safety, right? But he covers better than a lot of box linebackers do. And what that does by bringing him close to the line of scrimmage is it causes some complications in the offense. When you see Landon Collins three, four yards from the line of scrimmage, and you don't know if he's blitzing, you don't know if he's selling out on the run, you don't know if he's covering, it causes a little bit of a pause in the offense to try to figure out what it is you're doing. The more Landon Collins gets accustomed to that role, the more he dedicates himself to that role, the more Jack Del Rio uses him in that role the better off the defense is going to be for it because it causes the offense to come out of the snap with a little bit less sure, you know, sureness in what they're doing and a little bit more questions uh, in what they're doing. So hopefully Landon Collins continues as much as he doesn't want to do it. He's doing it with excitement. He's doing it with motivation and you have to give him a little bit of credit. At least he's out there. He's, he's doesn't want to tackle the tight ends, but he's doing it. He's trying to, to put himself uh, in harm's way to do it for the team. So I want to see more of that. And then on offense, 
it, it's Taylor Heineke and it's honestly, it's quarterback, whether Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back or not, whether it's Taylor Heineke, whether Kyle Allen comes in uh, at some point, whether I don't know, the Miami dolphins wave to a tongue of I low and Washington picks him up and he becomes whoever the quarterback is. We got to get better quarterback play. Chris, I'm, I'm convinced honestly, and there's, there's no alternate dimension. We can go visit to prove my point here, but I'm convinced that if we had better, even just average quarterback play throughout the duration of the season, this team could be 500 right now, if not maybe a game off the 500 pace. And I truly do believe that with the way that the defense especially has kind of stepped up over, over the last few few weeks. Um, so that kind of rests on the shoulders of Taylor Heineke. Got it. Lack of experience, lack of reps. You know, the coach is still kind of working with him. One week he runs a lot. The next week he's a pocket passer. They're all trying to figure it out. Whatever it is, though, Washington needs better production from the quarterback position in order to have a chance to close out the 2021 season with any type of excitement the way they did in 2020. No doubt about that. All right. That's going to put a wrap on this particular episode. Guys, we'll have, again, more episodes throughout the week as we get you ready for the Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we restart the football season here, at least in Washington. want to thank you guys again for making the LOWFT podcast your first listen of the day. Come back. Uh, later on this week, again, we'll have more episodes uh, and special guests stopping on by. Now make your second listen of the day, the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, uh, give you the lowdown on all the NFL and the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. If you have a question topic, you want to leave us voicemail, 301-615-3577, 301-615-3577, or lockedwftpod at gmail.com. For David Harrison, who's covering the Washington football team, Press Fan Nation. I'm Chris Russell, co-host of the Russell Medhurst Show on Team 980 with Pete Medhurst, 3 to 7 Monday through Friday. We'll be back right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.